All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats quickly. The Lord is good. Let's open our Bibles quickly. I want us to quickly get into the teaching for today without wasting any further time. Um, the book of uh, Psalms, Psalm chapter 51, is where I'm going to read from to start. I think verse 1 will be good. And we'll read all the way to verse, um, let's just say 13, just to save time. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. I want you to notice that verse 6. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. In verse 11 it says, Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Uh, let's read another one of the scriptures we read before. I'd just like to um, read uh, I mean, some of them we read last time. James chapter 1, let's read from James chapter 1. From verse 21 to verse 25. Quickly, James chapter 1. He said, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Um, I think I feel like reading one more, Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Let's just um, read all of these things so that I can start talking without interruption. A voice is calling, verse 3. Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. And let the rough ground become a plain, and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, 
and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. It's an automatic process if we make the right preparations. And all flesh will see it together. Now let me just stop reading here. We read some the last time. I don't want to take a lot of time. But if you go to Second Corinthians chapter 3, which we read last time, you remember we brought up the issue of the word of God being a mirror also. Just like we saw from what James um, wrote for us here. That the word of God is indeed um, a mirror. The Lord is good. Now, we have been looking at uh, this issue of perfecting the vessels of God. And I am going to, I, well, that's the plan I have in mind so that I can switch to another thing next time. I hope to finish that subject today. So, I will just try and give us a brief, no, I won't do much uh, recapitulation. I'm just going to continue from where we stopped. Because last time, towards the end, we read Second Corinthians chapter 3, James chapter 1, and First John chapter 1 in which I began to look at what the word actually does. If you remember two uh, meetings ago, I explained that what we are coming back to now is the emphasis again for believers on how they should relate or with the word of God. I explained that the ministry I've been involved in for all these years, I go round, round, I always come back to this point, to do like Paul said. He said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you your own inheritance amongst those who are sanctified. So I'm explaining to us again that the source of everything for us believers is the word of God. It's the source of our victory in life. Everything that God has prepared for his people, his children, is packaged in his word. It's not anywhere else. Every healing, the Bible says that he sent his word and healed them. Healing is in the word. I hope you're getting my point. Deliverance is in the word. The word delivered them from their destruction. When God wanted to do the height of deliverance for the whole world, the Bible says, the, the, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When John was going to introduce that begotten son, what did he say? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. That is, when God wanted to bring forth deliverance, he put his word together. Everything he has ever said, every plan, every power that he has, and he sent to the earth. And when he did that, that came to be in the reality as the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you're getting my point. That became Jesus Christ. So you see, the word of God is the center of everything. When Jesus was being tempted, everything he replied to the enemy with, it is written. Because that is where the power is. That is where the power is. The power is not in making New Year resolutions. The power is not in determination. The power is not in methods. The power is in the word of God. In fact, God said to them at a particular point in time, he said that... Um, I made you go through all of these things. Moses was explaining to them in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that you that will realize that what? Man shall not live by bread alone. Okay, he said to them when he was recapitulating things that happened to them over time in that Deuteronomy, he said so that you will understand that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God does a man live. What was he saying? He wasn't saying that you have to add the word to bread or add bread to the word. No, that was not what Moses was saying. Moses was explaining to them that there is nothing you want to get in this life that the word cannot produce. People eat bread to get strength. You, if you feed on the word, you will get strength. And manna for them was a type of the word. God gave them manna to let them understand that what you get strength from is not where people think. He gave them manna as a type of his word. Those who fed on manna got strength. And for us believers, the word is our manna. The word is our manna. It may not look like the food that other people are eating. It may appear monotonous. You must understand that the way manna was, they ate the manna. Now, let's just think about Garina as an example. 
And you do that morning, afternoon, and night. And you do that for years and years and years. That's what these people were experiencing. Okay, that's how it was. That's why they started growing at a particular point in time. So think about, for those who don't understand what Gary is, you don't know where you're listening to this from, maybe just think about rice, okay? You wake up in the morning, it's rice. Afternoon, it's rice. Tomorrow, it's rice. Tomorrow evening, it is rice. There's a lesson in it. And what is the lesson? Sometimes the word will become monotonous. I don't know about you, all right? We study the word out of discipline. It's not always exciting. I don't know what I get my point. Yes, let's get it clear. I was say, oh, I cannot detach myself from my Bible. And you wonder me, you can detach yourself from it. Are <laughs> you following my point? You are not abnormal. Don't think you are abnormal. Don't, <laughs> that is normal. It is the normal thing. Well, you know, it's easier to read a novel. It's easier to watch a movie. It's easier to read news. It's easier to read gossip self. Are you getting my point? It's easier to chat rubbish on the internet and on the WhatsApp. Join a chat group and be criticizing the government, you know? People do it. Those, those things come naturally. They, they, they come naturally. Just have, those ones are easy. You're not, are you getting me? That's garlic. That is cucumber. That's garnished food. That's what those people wanted. They wanted variety. That's how life is. Those things of the world, they are very, very interesting and people love to do them. We enjoy doing them. But when it comes to the word of God, they are not like, it's not, let's, let's, look, look, look. Let's be honest. It's something you learn. It's not naturally exciting. Please, let me take a digression here. For us to understand something about human nature. You make up, if you read my book, um, Great Things Can Be Yours, I explain some of these things inside there. You make up your mind what you want to enjoy. I don't drink beer. I'm not a beer drinker. And now, I'm not here to discover that Christians should drink beer or shouldn't drink beer. Because the way some people are smiling at me now, maybe they drank life yesterday. Are you getting my point? <laughs> no star lager. You understand? So, that's what I'm discussing. One major reason I don't drink beer is that I don't understand the taste. I don't understand the taste. You know, I'm an interesting human being. I don't believe I'll go to hellfire for taking a cup of beer. So I've tried it. Once I saw, there's one, there's one very well-known, I don't know, is it brandy or... One of these strong drinks gives, you know, that you give to people who want to perish. You know those ones that the Bible says you give to those? <laughs> Recently, I went somewhere and then... So I've forgotten the name. If I remember it, I'll tell you later. Okay, but one of these very well-known and very expensive ones. So I said, uh-huh, let me see what they are all drinking. So I poured into a glass. I was a place where I was free. And I tasted it. I, I don't know what I asked my wife that day. Are you interested in checking how people are suffering? Are you getting my point? Because after this, I couldn't understand. Why do I pay this amount of money for this small bottle? And they were men there, you understand? They were relaxed. And then they were drinking the thing. I was looking at them like this. First time I tried stout, that also happened. But that time I was young. So I said, this stout that you see, black thing, good oh, you see the adverts. So let's see what they are drinking. I tried it. That day it was bitter. So I made up, my, maybe I'm sick. Maybe something is wrong with me. Next time I tried it was more than 10 years later. I said, now I'm older. I'm mature. Now, in fact, now I was now married. You understand? Maybe maturity will help me understand it. I tried it again. It was just as awful as before. Just because I'm in church, I don't want to tell you what my friend calls it. How he describes it. To me, it is very awful. So, for that reason, one day, one of my colleagues at work, my resident that time, well, was, was one of my residents. One day I was, we were just talking about it. They all drank beer. You know, all these men, they drink beer. I don't drink beer. So, one day I now asked him, please. I've been trying for a long time to understand what you mean. Now, you know, sometimes you say, yeah, you're a pastor, you're a pastor. That's not the issue now. I don't know. Are you getting my point? It's not the issue. But what is it? What should I be tempted about? Okay, I'm a pastor. I'm a child of God. That's I don't drink. Fine. Thank you very much. But why should I drink? What am I missing? So now I ask the guy, I say, please, what do you people 
sit to drink in this year. I've tried it. No, Billy Graham, you know why he never drank? When the, in America, there used to be a ban, what they call the prohibition. You couldn't drink alcohol, you couldn't sell alcohol. So one day after much, you know, quarrel, government finally lifted the law. They wiped out the law on prohibition. You know what Billy Graham's father did? He went and brought, bought beer. Gathered the children in the kitchen. Said, everybody sit down. Said, everybody drink. They all started drinking. After a while, they were like, why must we drink it, daddy? Please, what's going on? After a while, he said, do you like it? They said, no. So he collected the bottles back, threw the rest away, and said, in this house, nobody drinks beer because it's not good. He said, yes. Now this is like, now we have tasted it. Because he knew that they would go out, people would put them under pressure. He said, now you have, is there anything inside? The children said, no, daddy. He said, good. So you're not going to drink beer? They all said, no, they are not going to drink. And the man never drank because there's no point. I just wanted to drop that story for you, okay? Now, back to my colleague who I asked. I asked him, what are you guys enjoying in this? He gave me an answer which nobody, I've been asking for a long time. But that day he gave me an answer and I was very happy. You know what he said to me? He said, chief. Which we call our seniors in medicine. He said, chief. He said, taste you learn. Now that's I'm going. He said, chief. He said, taste you learn. You did not learn it at the right time. Do you hear what I said? He said, he said, it's a learn taste. You need to learn to appreciate beer. You need to learn to appreciate this black stout. You didn't learn it when boys were learning. You missed your time. The Bible says that you did not recognize the time of your visitation. I'm adding. <laughs> as simple as that answer seems, all right, for me, it was satisfying. Finally, I rested. My curiosity about what they are seeing inside it, I now don't know. I'm sorry, it's been satisfied. I'm no longer curious. So now, if you bring beer, say, let us drink beer. I don't want to drink. Look, you know, there are some tastes you don't learn. Like it's sweet. You don't learn that one. You're born with appreciating sweet ones. So anything that is sweet, I'm game. Anyone I have to go to school to go and learn how to appreciate it, please leave me out of it. Now, why did I tell the story? I took a bit of time to explain that. So you see, men have to learn to appreciate beer. Men have to learn to appreciate stout. Many of these strong drinks, they have to learn to appreciate it. And that for people like us, I didn't learn it at certain times. You no, know, According to that guy, at the time I was supposed to learn it, now I don't appreciate it. Are you getting my point? Now, but you see, many people who've learned them, you know, you just see men gather. Once I was with my brother, we just saw, you know, where the ministry office used to be. You know, nearby, there used to be this uh, joint nearby, you know, people sit out. So we just sat down one day here and I, and we're watching them. And he was looking at them with amazement. That, you know, men just sit down and they're just going from one bottle to the next bottle. He said, why? What are they doing? I hope you're getting my point here. Now, what I'm going to bring out is that you see every day, they do it. You know, I'm a brewery, so I don't know about now. When it was built, I think it was the largest brewery in the world. I hope, you, are you getting my point? Yeah, this is uh, Nigeria brewery, this thing. Yeah, United nice Mile. I hope you know it was either the largest, the second largest in the world. We like big largest things, so sure you know. <laughs> in Nigeria, we do our things big. I think it was either the largest or the second largest in the world. Why they build that big? Because people drink that in a lot. Now, you saw me, I took minutes time to explain my own confusion. Why do men sit down to drink beer? But men who are drinking, they, don't, they, they are confused. Why are people like me still walking around in Nigeria? I, I hope you're getting my point. They can't under, I'm strange to them. Do you understand my point? Why? They learned something. So many people have learned it. That's why, I'm talking, that's why I said everything I said. 
That guy explained to me that day that you didn't learn it, but many men learned it. So they will sit down and go through four bottles at a time. Something that many of us don't understand the taste, but because they learned it. Now back to where we began from. So the Bible, manna, both of them now, okay? They are not interesting to the mouth, the taste. The taste is not so nice. Manna, no matter how sweet, actually it has a sweet taste, but it's monotonous. Do you understand my point? It's monotonous. So people take it morning, afternoon, and evening. What was God saying? It's something you learn. That's why I said everything I've said. If, even though we say the Bible is not interesting, but you know you can learn to enjoy it. You can learn to enjoy it. It is definitely more interesting than a bottle of beer. I can assure you of that one. Yet men learn to enjoy beer. They learn to enjoy it until they get to a point they can sit a whole night drinking it. In the same manner, you can make up your mind to enjoy the word of God. So that it will get to a point you can spend the whole day, the whole week studying it. And you keep discovering what is inside. I hope you are getting my point here. That's what I'm going to emphasize to us here. So, whether it's interesting or not is besides the point. It's something we make up our minds to learn. Why? That is where the life is. That is where strength is. That is where victory is. That is where success is. That is where the power for righteousness is. God, Jesus did not resist Satan just because he had a trick of not falling into temptation. Every time Satan brought up something to him, he replied with a simple word. It is written. Now listen to me. He wasn't just informing Satan. He was empowering himself. I hope you're getting my point here. Listen, I need to say that to you again. He was not just informing Satan. He was empowering himself. Satan doesn't really care. I don't know whether you get my point. It is irrelevant to him what is written, what is not written. So when Jesus said it is written, he was not informing Satan. He was empowering himself. That is, when we take the word of God and put those words on our lips, when we take God's word and put it inside our mouth and utter it, it's not just for the information of the environment. It is power that we are releasing into the environment. Listen to me. There's healing inside it. I said something to us the other time. That faith is, is a tangible substance inside our hearts. We generate spiritual power with the word of God. That is, it's not just uttering words say, against sickness. It's making sure that power is inside us. And so how do we generate that power? It is again with that same word. So when you imbibe the word regularly. And I told you a story some time ago. It happened to me many years ago. I woke up one day and I had broken into, you know, the rash had developed all over my face. I'm a doctor, so I understand. And because I checked the symptoms that had been going on for some days, and when this whole thing broke out, instantly I knew what my problem was. It was chickenpox. And I felt very bad, and I felt very offended. Now, I wanted to pray, but I, could, I did not bother praying initially. You know the first thing I did? I just went and got a tape, Supernatural Living Series by David Oyedeko. I put the tape in, sat down there before I prayed. I sat with the tape for like an hour. I pl- now, this is a tape at that time. I must have listened to it. If it's bad, now I can't remember for sure, but let me just try and underestimate. At that time, I should have listened to that tape not less than five times. So I knew what was inside. It was not just to get information now. I wanted to strengthen my spirit. So I sat, da- sat, sat down with it and listened. When I finished listening, then I prayed. Are you getting my point? It was like I generated spiritual power inside me before I attacked the thing. I prayed and left it. Next day, I woke up. Phew! It was totally gone. Next day I woke up, it was totally gone. 
Now, it wasn't as if the word, I needed some technicality. Please, I don't know whether you're getting my point. It wasn't like, okay, how many times am I supposed to say this? Where do I put my foot? Do I put it in front or behind? Do I face the east or face the west? When I'm about to declare the word, you know? No. I just paid attention to what he was saying. And by doing that, strength came into my spirit. So when I opened my mouth to speak, I was not speaking words of power. I hope you're getting my point here. That is inside that world, that's where, that's where God packs power. I like the way the Red Prince explains it. Everything that God has prepared for his people is inside his word. We've gone over that again. I'm just going to review some things we said. So last time I now said, listen. So let's look at some things that the word does for us. I said that there are two sides to it. When I was talking about the father is a, is a mirror. When you're studying the word, when you're focusing on God's word, when you are imbibing the word, two things happen. Number one, the word reveals Christ to you. You see Jesus as in a mirror. That's one. Number two, it reveals yourself to you also. And that's what I want to emphasize on today. The word reveals you to you. How does it do it? Let's read open to the book of Romans, um, Hebrews chapter 4. I want to read something there. Hebrews chapter 4. Let me read from verse 11. Just want to take it in context. So therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest, so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. Talking about those who did not enter into rest, even though they had a promise. Verse 12, he said, For the word of God is living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, and both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Please notice what he said in that verse um, 12. He said, the word pierces as far as the division of soul and spirit, and of both joints and marrow. And the word is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, that is your heart and mind. Now, that means that we are not able to judge the thoughts and intentions of our heart. The word is the one that is able to do it. Please bear this in mind. So that you do not forget uh, um, what I was started with, I, I just want you to go back in your mind to Psalm 51. There was something we read in Psalm 51. David explained something to us there. That what God wants is truth in the innermost being. I want to begin from there. Psalm 51. Don't bother opening to it. I'll just um, go back to it and read it out to you. We read it together earlier. It said in verse 6, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden parts you will make me know wisdom. And I said, Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. That is, he was talking about his innermost being, that that is where God needs to work. The word is able to go to the innermost being and judge what is inside there, reveal what is inside there to us. And that is what I want to focus on in my teaching today. Like as I wrap that series up, I will continue. We will dovetail that one again to the next one, which I'm going to begin next time. Let me explain this thing to us first. It's very important we understand it. We know the Bible makes it clear. Jesus said to us, there's old wineskin. Last time we discussed it. Why is God purifying his saints? We said the glory he wants to pour, whatever he wants to do, there must be the appropriate vessel to handle it. If God pours glory, like kinship, upon a man like Saul, it will destroy him. Israel insisted they needed a king. The best God could get amongst them at that point in time was Saul. 
But the authority of a king was too big for Saul. It destroyed Saul. We saw that last time. We said that if God wants to put glory upon people, he will first prepare the person. Very important we understand it. And when he has prepared the person into the new vessel, he cannot pour the new wine into that individual. If he doesn't do it, Jesus said, what will happen is that the wine skin will be destroyed by the new wine. So what God is doing, we said, for us to be able to receive his glory, for us to be able to be like Jesus Christ, he said that so that Jesus was leading many sons to glory. For us to be able to receive the glory that Jesus came to give us, we have to be prepared to receive it. It is not something that just comes automatically. If it does, it will destroy us. Please bear that in mind. Now, as human beings, this is how God made us. There are things inside us sometimes even we don't understand. Now, we know that David, he did not know he was capable, do you understand me, of doing what he did. Of killing Uriah. Of um, taking Uriah's wife. Don't forget, for those who may not notice it. Uriah was one of his strong men. Uriah was not a soldier he did not know. Now, even if it was a soldier he did not know, it was bad enough. But on top of that, it was a soldier he knew. It was one of his strong men, one of the strong men of David. Go and read the story of his strong men. One of them is Uriah the Hittite. Now, this was Uriah's wife. And he was informed, this was Uriah's wife. One, he committed adultery with Uriah's wife. That's very bad. On top of that, he murdered Uriah. Now, listen, Uriah was the type that would give his life freely for David. If you fired an arrow at David, and Uriah saw it coming, and is not able to stop the arrow or warn David, Uriah will jump between the arrow and David. Go ahead the story of his strong men. He was like that. Yet, David took the life of a man like that, just to cover a scandal. Now, what I want to say, I don't know how relevant it is. Do you know, if he had called Uriah and said, I want that woman, Uriah would have divorced <laughs> That would have been a sin anyway. It's called converting your neighbor's you know, wife. So, but that was the kind of man that David killed. But the point is that he did not know that he could do that. A day before that, if you told David, a man would do this in this country, he would say it's impossible. That's why you see those who are criticizing. <laughs> Jesus has warned. Let me tell you the truth. If you are, if you are, if you are full of criticism, you are a bad person. I am not talking about whether you think so or you don't think so. I am giving you information, things you did not know before you came here today. Do you know, let me, of course I'm preaching so let me leave myself out, alright? But, some, I, I watch myself actually, I do. But I found that those who are very, very critical are very bad people. Usually if you are very critical, if you run for office, I will never vote for you. I, mean, I won't tell you. Like maybe we are part of an association and every day you tell me what's wrong, every day you tell me what is wrong, every day you tell me what's wrong, every day, mm, the time you come, to campaign. This is how you, you would think I'm behind you. That I'm going to vote for you. I won't vote for you. And when they ask me why, I'll say because you are full of criticisms. There are people like you never make good leaders because inherently you are not a good person. That was why Jesus said, listen, before you start checking the speck in other people's eyes, spend time. Remove the whole log in your eye. If you are so full of, you know, if you are so busy removing your log, you probably won't have time for anybody's spec. Most very critical people are very bad people. Actually, somebody said, you see the world through what you are like. Some people don't trust anything anybody is doing. Do you know why? They can't be trusted themselves. 
There's one story Ravi Zakaria has told about a young girl and a young boy, you know, children. The boy was gathering marbles, you know, small marbles. And the girl was gathering cards, something like that. I can't remember the exact, I remember the marbles, but the girl had cards. So one day they discussed amongst themselves that I love your cards. The girl said, I like your marbles. Okay, let's exchange. I give you all my marbles, you give me all your cards. So the boy thought about it, that's very nice. I like cards a lot. And she likes marbles, fine. So I give her all the marbles. So he went home to gather the marbles. Then he saw a particular one that was very, very fine. He said she wouldn't know whether I gave it to her or not. You understand? So he kept that one aside and gave the girl the marbles and then collected all her cards. And he came home and he couldn't sleep. Do you know why? He was thinking, are you sure she gave me all the cards? <laughs> Do you get the point? At night he was awake. Are you sure this guy gave me all the cards? Is there counting the cards? He doesn't know the number of cards. But why was it like that? Because he did not give all the marbles. But the other girl in the house probably sound asleep because she gave all the cards, so she assumed that she had all the marbles. We often read life, you know, the way we are. Let me correct a simple doctrine that we often we used to believe. Because Jesus died for you and you are the seed of Christ does not make you a perfect, mean you are perfect, even deep inside. The seed of Christ is in you does not mean other seeds are not there. Two of them often grow together. The evil seed in the heart of Christians and the seed of Christ. Two of them often grow together. Yes. And listen to this. What God wants, now before I say that, the purity of our hearts, our hearts, our life in the deepest parts determines how life relates with us and it determines the kind of power of God we can experience. It determines the kind of power of God that can manifest through us. Please give, bear that in mind. I have a thought. I, don't, I won't say um, it must be like that, but that's how I've been thinking about it. Why did God create this earth? It feels to me like it is a processing platform for eternity. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That is, the human being is releasing to the earth. Then go and process the individual. The ones that are bad and refuse to be corrected, he will literally cast them into a lake of fire. They are totally useless to him. I hope you're getting my point. But the ones that are good, he will progress with them to another phase, which... We call heaven, a new heaven and a new earth and all of that. And then the degree to which they are refined, it will reflect. Because Jesus used to tell us a number of parables. The man came back and said, you'll be in charge of ten cities. You'll be in charge of five cities. You'll be in charge of two cities. Those things tell me something. Alright? They tell me that God is actually checking our spiritual capacity for whatever he will do with us next. I don't know what. I'm not claiming to know what. But I want us to understand, that's where I'm going, that God is actually actively purifying us. You see, that thing is all over the scriptures. Paul said, let us cleanse ourselves of what? The all defilement of flesh and spirit. That, you know, there's, there's something about the bride of Christ. When the Bible talks about her garment being white, I hope you're getting my point. I, that helps me to understand something. God is preparing his bride, that is the bride of Jesus Christ. 
every impurity that is inside the bride is being removed. There's something that Jesus said. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added to you. That scripture or those words are literal. They are literal. Jesus was saying that the emphasis of your life must be on the spiritual. That's what I was trying to say. The emphasis of your life must be on the spiritual. Let me give an example. Let us assume you are having financial problems. The way we often pray is what? Money. God, give me money. Give me money. Give me money. God, give me money. That's how we pray. But you know what? Jesus is saying that that is not what the problem is. That's what he's saying. That money is a physical thing. Your, now, if you're a believer, your problem is spiritual. Let me say that again. Money is a physical thing. But your real problem as a child of God is spiritual. Therefore, if the money is a problem, use that as a trigger or something, an incentive to go and pray, seeking out the spiritual problem. And you know what? We have more spiritual problems than we realize. We do. I, we read from that uh, Isaiah chapter 40 now. He said, if you, he said, if you elevate the valley, bring down the mountains, make it smooth, you know, an expressway for the Lord in the wilderness, and the glory of God will be revealed. Listen to me, it's automatic. Once you put everything to the right place, the glory follows automatically. Please, bear that in mind. So what is God saying here? That is, instead of us, as believers, focusing on the external problems, we should focus on the internal problems. And that is what he is actively working on. Like I said, we have more spiritual problems than we realize. You know, I was listening to Derek Prince today. Actually, last night, I don't know, I just, I do that. I, I have a lot of his messages on my phone, so... Sometimes when I'm bored, I, one of the things I used to kill bother is listen to a message. Do you understand? So yesterday as I listened to a particular message, I was walking actually after it was playing in the background and I was on the computer, I was walking. Then the master kept saying something. So I paused it so that I could finish what I was doing on the computer. I stopped it because he was saying something I needed to focus when I was listening to that part. And to make a long story short. What was he talking about? At that time, he said he had been a Christian for 50 years. Now, listen to me carefully. Derek Prince said at this point he had been a Christian for 50 years when he preached a particular message. And that he just returned from a retreat. Okay, let me say something to you about being a Christian for 50 years. At that point, his messages were available on a daily basis to half of the globe. That is, now in Kingdom of Ministries, I was showing somebody the other day that that's Kingdom World messages. I said, now, our messages are available to more than two-thirds of Nigeria by radio. Yes, really, really, literally, literally, literally. More than two-thirds of Nigeria because of the way we cover. That's FM stations. So we did it. We just drew it. We cover back to back, back to back, all the way from Ibadan down to, you know, Port Harcourt, the whole of eastern Nigeria. In fact, that one, we overcover. <laughs> that is... <laughs> We overcover in fact the areas that they can get us on three radio stations side by side. Now just describing it. And it looked like a good thing. Because down to the middle belt and parts of the north, we are, we are up north as far as Kaduna right now. And virtually the whole of the middle belt. Okay? And then 
the whole of the southeast intensely. We cover Port Harcourt, you understand? We cover Ibadan, you know, Akurel, you know, a lot of them. So I, I just did an estimate, maybe two thirds. Now I'm just going to tell you the kind of thing that we, we are doing here, right? you understand? Now, and you know, it feels good, like, wow, wow, you know? That's only Nigeria. Of course, by internet, they, you know, there's much more you can do, but just to give you an idea. When he was speaking, the internet was not like this. But by radio, what I'm saying now, he was doing half of the globe. His messages were available to half of the globe. You could tune in more than half of the globe at that time and get the reference messages on a daily basis, and they were done daily. That's what I'm trying to explain. The kind of man we are dealing with. He had been part of all kinds of moves of God. Yet, yet, he said he just came back from a retreat where he spent most of his time, he and his wife, confessing their sins. Did you hear what I said? He spent most of the time. Oh, the retreat was six months. Not one week. By the time he went on the retreat, he left the whole ministry for some other people to run. He said, he didn't take any invitation. He knew the ministry could run by itself. The people could run it. He was gone for six months. What was he doing? First, he fell sick. Then, he recovered. He prayed. Found out while he was sick. He didn't give us details because he said they are personal things. And he said something. He wasn't dealing with common sins. Uh, sexual immorality, you know, um, uh, what example did he give that time? Lying, you know, stuff like that. He was dealing with some other things, which I am sure, that I'm certain, if he told us, some of them, we would say that, Oga, is this a sin? I'm, in that case, I'm the greatest of all sinners, because this is what you are saying, I do it regularly, there's nothing, as far as I'm concerned, I thought it was normal life. But please bear this in mind, he took time out, and regularly, in fact, he taught in that message that it wasn't explained to us that we should, that, for example, wives and husbands confess your sins one to another. So he and his wife will sit down, go over their lives, correct things that need there to be corrected. And listen to me, every Christian needs that. Your work as a believer, eh? it is not in pursuing things outside. Your work as a believer is in pursuing things inside. What I mean by that is this. You know, people wake up in the morning, want to build their business. Five, five thirty, they are up. Six o'clock, they are ready to leave the house. They are the first to get to the office. See these clients. See this one. Why? They are trying to build a business. The other day, I was watching Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban is an American billionaire. He said that when he was building his first business, he was so focused on it. His girlfriend called him and said that um, you don't even talk to me anymore. And he looked at her and said, "What's your name again?" And he was look. He was saying this, trying to show us how dedicated he was to his business. Then I looked at her and said, "What was the name again?" And that he wasn't joking. Like, who are you? They said Ted Turner, the man who built CNN. Uh, I can't remember for sure, but it was married not less than three times, maybe four times, maybe five times. I can't remember. And all the wives agreed on one thing: there is a good man. Then why did all of you divorce a good man? Say because he was not a husband. Ted Turner was working, I think, 18 hours every day. Yes. Ted Turner worked 18 hours a day. In case you don't know what they call 18 hours a day, the day has only 24 hours. 
So six hours was what he shared with sleeping, the monk sleeping, interacting with his wives. That is, of course, he didn't marry more than one at a time. You get my point. Each time he's married, that six hours is when he will marry. Do you get my point? It's in that six hours. In that six hours, he interacts with his children because he had children. That six hours is when he will go for social functions. That six hours is when he eats. 18 hours a day, Ted Turner was working. Did he work? Yes, of course he did. He became a billionaire. There was a time he gave $1 billion out to United Nations at a go to go and solve problems. There was a time he was worth $12 billion US dollars. As I was watching it that day, I said, the Bible said it is vain to rise up early and to go to bed late. That no matter what he produces for these people, I will never do this. It's called succeeding by the flesh, by the, by the life of your soul. I hope you get my point. That's it. As opposed to succeeding by grace. Now that effort they put into success, you know what God is saying? What Jesus is saying? That we should put that kind of effort into our spiritual life. The problem with Christians has been that people thought that that meant go to church every day. That meant join the choir. So one man is in the choir. He's the head of intercessors. He's a technical man. Let's not forget. Because he's married now, they are, they are now putting him into the marriage counseling team. And because he knows how to pray, he preaches periodically in church also. One man. And when you say, oh boy, what, how are you managing? He says, seek first the kingdom of God. But that's not what it means to seek first the kingdom of God. In fact, many of those activities are the reason why the man will not understand what God is doing. He's too busy. What am I saying? God says, see those, the way those people go after their business success? Use that same kind of dedication to go after what he calls the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't forget that his righteousness part of it. David said, you desire truth in the innermost being. That is, there is a deep part of us that we don't even know what is inside. So many bad people think they are good. So they spend all the time criticizing other people's badness. <laughs> are you getting my point? Yes. All the time is spent showing, you know, trying to analyze what's wrong with other people simply because they think they are good. Let's look at David again. When Nathan came to David to explain to David what had happened. You remember the story? He didn't tell Nathan and David directly. He told a story about a man who took a goat. And then, you know, remember how David got angry? That is, David actually felt he was better than the man who took the goat. I hope you are following what I'm saying. What am I going to say in all of these things? Listen. Everybody pay attention to this. What God wants to do so that he can pour any blessing that is available upon you is to clean you out thoroughly from the inside, not from outside. And no matter how good you think you are, that's why I told the story of Derek Prince. He had been a dedicated Christian for 50 years. Now, I don't mean 50 years of sitting down enjoying himself. 50 years of doing missions in difficult places. 50 years in which many of those years he lived in difficult, you know, he was obeying the Holy Spirit again and again. He married twice. His first wife died after some time, you know. Both times he married, both times the Holy Spirit directly spoke to him and told him who to marry. If at the second woman, he had only met her once in his life. He had interacted with her for less than 10 minutes. 
When, when he was praying one day, he had a revelation that you are going to marry that woman. It's like, what? What is going on here? 50 years of what you and I will have thought was spirituality. 50 years of, he, 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 go and listen to a series on disciples in the desert. Yet at the end of 50 years, he went to sit down. To have the Holy Spirit clean him out from inside out. So he spent the time confessing. He spent the time you know, rearranging his life. He spent, he spent his time putting things in order to be sure that he's exactly the man that God wanted him to be. At that time, he was about 70 years old. Over 70. He was in his early 70s. Now, there are things you hear, you start wondering, you look at, you go and buy a big mirror, look at yourself. I, I, am I alright? I don't know whether I get my point. You start, you are looking at yourself in the mirror that if a man who has been a Christian for longer than I have been alive, done so much work of ministry, took time out to go and have himself corrected. Well, I don't think it's too, it's so much, um, it's hard to just imagine that you, you probably, I mean, I'm talking about me now, I'm talking to myself. It's not hard to imagine that I probably need much more correction than he does, that he did at that particular point in time. And I can assure you, most of, I won't say all of us, I don't know everybody, you understand? And there are some angels in here who are pretending to be human beings, I don't know. Uh-huh. Some of you have never seen you before, maybe you are an angel, you flew over, landed on the roof, melted through the wall, collected clothes from one line somewhere and wore it and came and sat with us. So maybe you don't need what we need. I hope you're getting my point. It's possible, and that's not a joke, it's possible. But if you remove those angels, I think I can say almost every one of us will need something like this. Yes. What does the word do? That's where that's that's I began this from. As we're interacting with God's word, one of the things the word does, you see, before I tell you what the word does, let me say something to you. God is good, amen? amen. But he never blesses what is bad. He never. Never. God, if there is something inside you that is wrong, that thing will lock a part of your blessing out permanently until it is removed. That blessing will never come. That experience will never come. If there is something that God wants you to do on the earth and something inside you says it will not be possible, it will never be done till you die. Except that thing is tackled. God's goodness. Listen. God never blesses disobedience. He never rewards bad behavior. I always use David as an example. David is my best example there. If you read the story of those patriarchs, David was one that lived the shortest. Among the shortest living was David. He was 70-something when he died. When he was dying, Abraham had not yet been called. Or was just being called. The time David was dying, Caleb was not even close to when he would take the promised land. Because at the age of 85, that was when he came to collect marching orders from Joshua. So that he would go and fight for Kiriath Alba. Which later named Hebron. Yet, at the age of 70, David was tired. David reigned for like 40 years. David was so tired, they had to look for one small girl to be lying down beside him to keep him warm. And you know the way I always interpreted, they knew where his energy went. So they told one of the girls, come on, go and return the energy that all of you, all you women collected from him. So that girl was a scapegoat for the women folk. They took his energy. So they looked and said, oh girl, all your senior sisters took Oga's energy. You will go and return it. 
You know the way I, what I always quote now? David's first five, first six sons were born by six different women. What does that tell you? He had more than six wives because the women did not conspire that all of us will have boys. And some were born in boys. Some were born in girls. But no one had the opportunity to born twice before six had had boys. I can assure you at least 12 women were pregnant at the same time for Brother David. You don't know much about it because God is embarrassed talking about it. That is, David will be in bed with another woman when they announce that your wife has delivered. You tell that one, I'm coming. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'll tell you, it's a bad thing. Some people say that there was a time God allowed polygamy. He never liked it. You must understand what the Bible calls winking at something. God will just look and say, just leave them. Now, so they be. They know they're here. So, that thing in David, even though David was a blessed man, a man, complete it for me, after God's heart. Yet, at the age of 70, he was tired. Why? His son later warned us, don't give your strength to women. He gave his strength to women, so God did not object. If God gives you strength, and you give it to women, he will not, listen, even if he doesn't talk, that strength is gone. If you want it back, you have to beg for it. You have to repent for it. You have to consecrate for it. Don't just say, I'm a man after God's heart. Ha. Therefore, whatever I do. <laughs> God is looking at you like this. He won't, say, he won't, he won't call you. Oh, God. You know the part of God I don't understand? Now I understand anyway. I think before I didn't understand. Oh, if I remind you that day we talked. You know, we're arguing. We're not really arguing. He's a classmate of mine. We're not very close now. But, we, I mean, we saw each other last maybe like 20-something years ago. So, one day on our chat, class chat group. You know the way it is. Classmates have chat groups. So, on our 25th anniversary, they formed a chat group preparing for the reunion. So that's how I got into it. I'm still there, and we chat once in a while. They call me pastor there, you know? So occasionally, you know the way it is. I mean, some people there are stark unbelievers. Dead, un- that is like, there are people you look at, and you, you see them in hellfire. That is, you, 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 you don't want them to go to hell, but you say, this guy, there is... You don't know what to say. People like that are inside there. <laughs> so all kinds of discussion come up. Of course, there are a lot of your brethren, they are fellow Christians, there are about three pastors inside there. So one of these pastors one day said something to me. And so one day a chat, a discussion came up. So they now said that um, they dropped something about tithes. Ah, say pastor, that when you go to see this person, you know, when they you know that somebody was saying that you collect the tithes. Another person said, no, no, bank doesn't collect tithes. So. So another person said, ah, so how are you in supporting the ministry? So discussions, the jokes ended, and serious talk began. So I just said, look, I gave him a few tips. Look, brethren are generous. You don't believe in Titan? I don't. Why? I don't believe that God commanded it, you know? I, because I know the platform, there are a lot of people that are not even believers there, so I wasn't teaching anything. In fact, I tried to end the discussion rapidly. So because of that thing, one of the guys now came to the back, you know, personal chat. I said, Banky, there's something you said on the platform, on the group, I need to talk to you about. He said, what did you mean when you said you don't believe in Titan? I said, well, I told him what many of you know, I, I believe. So I forwarded one of my articles to him. Now, this is where I'm going. He now replied to me. He gave me a lot of his points, which I told him, look, everything you have said, I've heard before. I said, sorry, I hope I don't sound arrogant. 
He now added one thing to it. Now, this is what I'm going That's why I said this whole, whole thing. He now mentioned some prominent men of God. He mentioned at least three of which two are Nigerians. Who have labored for God. That if they are wrong, like I'm saying, the Holy Spirit will have corrected them. I said, eh. I said, well, my dear brother, since you have made an argument of man of God against man of God, I give him a list of 20 world prominent men of God over the years who do not agree. I drop names like the founder of Methodist Church. What's his name? John Wesley. I dropped names like uh, Watchman Nee. Extremely powerful names. Many of them Bible, you know, commentary writers. Many of them who've edited reference Bibles. I dropped 20 before I stopped. People like John Boyan. Pregress Progress. In fact, after some time, my wife said, how did you know this? But you didn't believe in me. <laughs> 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 my wife was... <laughs> I dropped... See, I, when, when I got to 20, I told him, let's stop it here. I said, bro, so can we drop the name? Can we forget names now? Now that we have balanced the names. <laughs> Pro and, you know, uh, and against. Now, where, where I'm going with this, I said, I feel like oh, it wasn't there for me to talk with him, you know, on this. I said, you don't know the way God is. Oh. God will walk to a prophet who is sinning like he's sinning. Give him mercy to another prophet. And they walk away and say, nothing's happening in your life. There have been men of, you know, the answer is some people get confused. There was a time one prominent minister was said to be racist. And some say he can't be racist, he was a prophet. I said, you don't know God. God will walk in. Talk to you man to man, face to face. And we say nothing about your bad habits. Unless it is important at that point. Sometimes why he does it, let me tell you, is that, why he behaves like that? There are a number of reasons. One of them is that he has already told you you are not listening. And as a principle, my spirit will not always strive with man. He corrects you a number of times you don't hear, he stops talking. And he starts dealing with you as if you are perfectly normal. And that becomes a, oh God, becomes a trap. You now think, I must be normal. I must be good. My spirit will not always strive with man. So it gets to a particular point, the spirit stops talking. So you see a pastor, president of a, of a big ministry, pastor of or bishop of a Pentecostal church that has 50 branches, you know, nationwide, and 50 branches outside the country, miracle working man, and when they tell you he's an adulterer, you can't believe it. And somebody says, look, let me take you to the house of his girlfriend. And you say, it's a lie. How can you be speaking against the Lord's anointed? He said, I'm not speaking, I'm only looking. Come. <laughs> so two of you will sit down and wait. And the Lord's anointed will come into the house of a concubine. And he will look at you like this. You know, if you're not used to, if you don't understand some spiritual truths, you, your faith will shake. But people like me, my faith not they shake. Um, and I said, why is God not correcting him? God said, do you know how long I spent correcting him? Next time we'll talk about the matter, I'm killing him. So this one we are talking about, let's just leave it. And meanwhile, he'll come to church. There are two people over there. 
And he will give word of knowledge. He even correct two of them concerning adultery. That one of you, the Lord said that if you don't stop committing adultery, you will die within a week. Repent right now. And you people repenting. And you say, and he himself is just like you. He believes that he's special. So his own is alright. Do you know there are people who think they are special? One of the best things you can do for yourself in life as a Christian, as a, as a, as a, as a, especially if you're a preacher, senior Christian, whether you're a preacher or not, one of the best you can do for yourself in this life is never accept that you are special. Because there are people, pastors as an example, everybody is giving, giving, giving. They will not give. They will just be receiving. Yeah, they are special. Time to give offering. We are doing missions. People are gathering money. They won't put their own. And they are special. Why? The ministry is growing. You can see it. I mean, everything they are doing must be alright. But the truth is that sometimes God just stops talking. My spirit will not always strive with man. You know what God expects if you're a preacher or a senior Christian? Go and get tapes. You said go for conferences. Listen to messages. Be corrected. Once I heard a man say that a prophet came to his house. The Lord has forgiven him. And he has forgiven me too. Amen? I just want to use this illustration. He said that the prophet came to his house and told him something. And he laughed. He said, God never sends prophets to prophets. And the child clapped, our man of God. And he said, am I not your prophet? Am I not your pastor? Am I not your teacher? Am I not your apostle? Am I not your your evangelist? My sister, only him. You know, I was confounded. He said that prophet didn't know what he was saying. That God never sent a prophet to a prophet. I, my mother, you know, I would listen to it at home. It was when I went home, my mom, they had the tape in the house. So I would listen to it when my mother was present. I stopped the tape. I said, what kind of thing is this? I started quoting. I said, the prophet that God sent to Jeroboam, did God not send another prophet to him? The Bible, go and listen to um, Peter. Peter said, David was a prophet. Did God not send Nathan to him? I quoted one or two letters from my mother. My mother said, hey, people like you are hard to deceive. <laughs> listen, listen to me. Prophets. God sends prophets to prophets. He does. He does. He does. And one of the reasons why he does is that sometimes the other prophet is deaf. He doesn't hear again. So God sends a physical prophet to go and tell him, thus says the Lord, you are deaf. Please don't be deceived by the fact that everything is okay. Never be deceived. What am I going to say? If a part of you is wrong, there's a blessing locked permanently. It's locked. There is no jumping defense. There's no breaking the lock. It is locked. Locked down. And God will still come to your house, dance tango with you. And he will not talk about that side. That is one part of him sometimes I used to get angry and frustrated about it. Why will you be talking to me and you have something against me in your mind? You know that kind of attitude? God said, I know they fight. I've told you two or three times. You don't want to hear. And we call, you know, one of the things my wife used to say about he doesn't know how I do it. That I seem to be very good in, you know, compartmentalizing relationships. Yes, I'm very, very good with it. What do I mean by that? And it's that part of life. When people do things sometimes, you know, 
I'll just say that so maybe thing is annoying. I'll tell my wife that. No, she, she's kind of angry. Like, I talk to the fellow. I said, no, I'm not going to talk. So why won't you talk? You know, I said, no. I said, I don't think the talk is necessary. Why? I said, what I have just done is I have redefined the individual. So relationships will go on normally. You know, my wife has an, my wife has an attitude that if I have something against you in your mind, in her mind, in my mind, that's how she is. She will tell you. She won't keep it. I have a different attitude. I will tell you, I will discuss it only if I want to maintain that area of relationship. If I'm tired, you know, now, what I'm about to tell you is not good, it's not bad, it's just the way I am. It may be bad, are you getting my point? But that's the way I am right now. Tomorrow I'll know whether it's bad and I'll change it. But right now, I just think (laughs) it's the way it is, all right? Sometimes I decide that you are giving me emotional work to do and I don't have time. And since you are not my wife, I will just cut that area of our relationship. So, we will not quarrel. We will remain, in quote, friends. But there are areas where our relationships don't cross. So you can have a friend, for example, that you don't discuss money. If I need money, I won't come to you. I just make up my mind that you are my friend, but... So So even if you and God are getting along well, and there are certain aspects of your lives, of your life that's wrong. You know what he does? He just closes that chapter off your discussion. And relates with you well on the rest of it. And if your name is David, you think it means you're okay. So, David will say, I can run through a troop. And I can leap over a wall. God has trained my hand to war. My hand can bend a bow made of, made of brass. And you'll be fighting Philistines, Philistines. That's all these Philistines you are fighting. A woman will kill you. And that's what, do you know, that's what almost killed him. Bathsheba. He fights Philistines, Philistines. I can run through a troop. You can run through a troop. But bros, in that same process, I have told you again and again, you are running through too many women. In their season, David didn't suffer much. Do you know why? He generally avoided other people's wives. Apart from the case of Raya the Hittite. So what he did was just gathered concubines. So he didn't break the standard law that God gave them firmly at that time. But he was not blessed. So he has, of all those men, he has about the worst example of a marriage. I think Ahab did better than him in marriage. You know Ahab? Madman Ahab. Crazy woman Jezebel. At least they were a couple. They plotted evil together. Did evil together. As one. And died together. Is that not marriage? What else do you call marriage? (laughs) David didn't have that kind of peace for where. Yet he loved God with all his heart. So my people of God, let's emphasize what we are trying to get across here. So, if you want a full release of the power of God, of the blessings of God into your life, of the, when we say blessing, I realize it's not chop, chop. Usefulness is part of blessing. Usefulness is part of blessing. You want a full release of that into your life, it is your responsibility to start detecting here and there which parts of your innermost part does not have the truth that allows God to relate with you properly. 
That's why in this life you cannot afford to be stubborn. You can't, listen to me, you can't afford it. I don't know whether it was Methodist Church or the Baptist Church. I think it was Methodist. You know how they started? The number of brethren gathered together to confess their faults one to another. And that's how the church started. Just gather to be confessing your faults one to another. It's an idea I've had for a long time. I've not had the boldness to introduce it to people. Now, this is the idea I've had. Some of you, you can run with it. Me that's giving you the idea, I don't know when I will carry it out, but at least I've tried not to allow my own limitations in practice of spirituality hinder those who are ministering to. I hope you're getting my point. The fact that I'm not doing something does not mean you should not listen to me. Some say, eh, I can't listen to that man. He's not practicing what he's preaching. Hey, God will soon punish you with that man. No, I'm not joking. No, you think God has time for that? <laughs> he, the man is not practicing what he is preaching. It's not your business. I hope you're following my point. Your business, do you know what Jesus said? You see the Pharisees. They sit, they sit in the seat of Moses. He said, why did they say this? What did Nassim should do? Do as they say, but not as they do. He said, they teach you the law. They don't obey the law. Don't mind. Just obey the law and leave them alone. So, and as a preacher, I put that in mind. If I'm not practicing something, if I know this is true, I will still teach it. Then I can now go home. Then let God be dealing with me. But at least your blood will not be on my head. Because if I don't practice it, it's iniquity. I have a problem. Then if I prevent you from practicing it, then I'm judged doubly. You know, that's what James said. He said, let's not all be teachers. Teachers are in trouble because they are punished for their own disobedience and the disobedience they create in other people. So I try to free myself, reduce my judgment to one by telling you the truth. Then I can go home and go and disobey it too. But at least I'm free of the blood of all men. I only have my own blood. (laughs) My neck. So this is what I want to tell you. And I intend to do it one day. This is what started it. There are times I look at people the way they are behaving. I see the speck in their eyes. I have my own log, amen. But sometimes I can look above my log and still see the speck. I'm working on the log, please get me. But then it doesn't mean I won't see your log. Some people their own self say log. I have my log, they have their log. We got two logs. We got two logs. For example, you know, I see my wife's logs every day. And she's wondering, why don't you see your own log? Baby, I'm the husband. I have to see your log. <laughs> if I don't see your log, who's going to help you remove the log? Say, but you have not removed your log. Don't worry. And let somebody be seen in the house. So let me remove your log. Then you'll be able to see. Then the children will have leadership. Amen. <laughs> the Lord is good. So sometimes you see some specks and logs and branches in other people's eyes in their lives. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have. I'm just saying that, especially when you're a spiritual person, you're an instructor with the word of God, you have to notice some things. And I said, look, this fellow, does he realize that what he's doing is wrong? That's another thing. Occasionally, they get into trouble based upon that. And it's almost a case of, I need it to happen. There's one we see here recently, and I told my wife, I'm not surprised. I didn't wish it for this man, but I'm not surprised. The way he was going, he was bound to get to this kind of place. Now, this is the one issue about me. Anytime things like that happen, the Bible says what? Every man's way is right in his own eyes. I will look and say, hey, that guy thinks he's right too. Abby? And I start getting afraid. Banky. 
I'm sure there are areas in which you are sure you are right. You're not trying to be stubborn. You know you are right. For example, right now, I'm not doubting that I'm in front of everybody here. You're all looking in my direction. Is this stubbornness to say I'm standing, the rest of you are sitting? Apart from Israel, I will refuse to sit since morning. Now, but in the truth, there are times in which you're actually sitting. And you're not standing. But you're so sure, like I'm sure right now. And only God knows who's really sitting, who's really standing. Does it not worry you? Because it used to worry me. That what, what if I'm the one? Do you get my point? There are people are behind saying that this guy is going to hell. And I think I'm on the way to heaven. And I'm fully sure that I'm going to heaven. Meanwhile, all the saints, the apostles, the prophets, they've all gathered, they've seen my works. And they've said, this man will go to hell. So why don't you tell him, say, anytime we tell him, he starts preaching to us on how to go to heaven because he's on the way, so we should follow him. Please, I'm not kidding about this. Oh. Nobody's above this. Oh. So this is the idea I had. I said, instead of telling somebody what you are doing is bad, and no, telling behind somebody what this man is doing is bad, I said, why can't we sit down, maybe a group of friends, and take a piece of paper and write the force of each person down and each person gather your own and go home. Don't reply. The worst way not to take correction is to reply. See, what if the person is wrong? Don't worry. You are the only one that knows what they wrote about you. And you too, you wrote about somebody else. I hope you are, are you getting what I'm trying to say here? That, that, I mean, let's say ten friends who know each other. About the same spiritual level. Friends for a long time. Settle down. Use, just write so that they won't trace who wrote it. Say, today now we are taking Israel. What is wrong with Israel? Israel does not smile. When he eyes somebody beside him, the person will just enter the wall. And he does not know. He thinks not smiling is manly. He said, hey, what about Yinka? He, he smiles too much. <laughs> Do you understand? Write all the faults. As you're writing somebody's own, just know they're writing your own. Do you get my point? Be very truthful. They don't know who's writing it. You, you, you get me? At the end of the day, we'll not all go home with our, our, our notes and go and pray over them. We won't go and say, hmm, these people, they call themselves my friends. Look at what they have been thinking about me. No, you just go home. Whether they are wrong or right, forget it. Just use it to pray. And use it to think. Especially if out of, you know, you are ten, nine friends, all of them say the same thing about you. Say, oh boy, you are too stingy. Your money, no, they drop. Say, they don't understand me. How can ten friends not understand you? <laughs> Is that how difficult you are to understand? That kind of one. Don't be angry with anybody. Next meeting, just come out and say, praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit said to me that I'm very stingy. <laughs> when they say, let's give offering, I always pat my pocket. I forgot my purse. Nobody can come to me for help and get money out of my pocket. The Holy Spirit has told me, and I will take correction. Are you getting my point? Now, listen, what I've told you now, <laughs> try and do it, okay? But me, that I'm saying it. I've been thinking of it for years. Fear, not grimming down. <laughs> my wife is looking like, I have things to write. <laughs> 
Don't worry, I know you have things to write. <laughs> I know you have things to write. The Lord is good. <laughs> As for me, I don't have anything to write about you. Don't worry. Because everything I've thought, I've told you already. The Lord is good. My wife is a good wife. Amen. <laughs> no, really, I, I hope. No, what I've told you, try, try it. Just gather your good friends so they can tell you the truth. So your blessings will not be permanently shut off from your life. Because every man's way is right in his own eyes. Every man's way is right in his own eyes. The areas you think you are right, there are many of those areas in which you are wrong. And that wrongness, God will not break it by force. His spirit will not always strive with man. And if that thing is hindering your blessing, your blessing is staying outside. Forget it. With all the love he had for David, David was not strong as an old man. Why? Why was it that the strength that Caleb had was denied to David? David was a warrior, strong. Maybe stronger than Caleb when he was young. Don't forget, as a teenager, he was taking on lions. As a teenager, he was taking on bears. As a teenager, he took on Goliath. Caleb always told us the story of when he was about 40 years of age. Caleb, David was doing this as a teenager. He ran through troops. He fought giants too. But Caleb was still fighting giants at 85. By which time David was moving like this. No, moving? He was dead like this. Who's talking about moving like this? The man was already dead for years. At the age of 70, he was, they said, you can't go to war again. Why? Less the light of, why? Carry sword. The reflexes were slow. You can't have that number of women and your reflexes will not be gone. It will go. People don't know where problems come from. That's how you get parking. You start shaking. Donate your strength to useless things. But God left him. He didn't, that's the point I'm trying to emphasize. The Lord left him and still loved him. But he put a barrier on the relationship. That's why till today, when you want to read your whole Bible, you don't hear God give examples of marriage from the life of David. Never. God has very few examples of marriage. That is, it's terrible that the scriptures have very few examples to give us on marriage. It's limited to just three. Adam and Eve, Abraham and Sarah, Christ and the church. Every other person goes, say, don't talk about it. I say, David, a man after God's heart. Say, ah, when it comes to marriage. God says, if any pastor uses David to preach on marriage, God will wanna. Unless you want to talk about the dangers, the bad areas. Solomon got up, married all the women, and finally said, look, Stop this nonsense. Rejoice with the wife of your youth. I hope you are getting my point. My point is that even though David loved God, that area, a blessing was hindered from his life permanently. It was not, he couldn't retrieve it. Do you know how many of his sons died in his house from violence amongst brothers? Do you know when he finally got a man to replace him on the throne? All of it tied to one area where the man wouldn't control himself. So he said, listen, do you know the truth? Were he not, very important, were he not that God, see, and that's what we are talking about here. When I say write those things down. Were he not that God allowed that sin? Because what God did for David was to shield him. So anytime they are seeing fine girls like Uriah, like Bathsheba, 
You know what used to happen? Two soldiers suddenly come between him and the girls. They were marching. Wah, wah. He wants to turn like this. Horse will pass. Wah, wah, wah. He wants to turn. Chariot will pass. Wah, wah. After a while, Joab will say, Oh God, they are attacking from this corner. He said, Okay. Then he will forget the girl. The angels will say, ah, That was close. <laughs> the angels used to get tired. Occasionally, the angels will say, I believe him. That she's not mine. She's not mine. Leave him. So that's how they will grave you with her. Okay, come. I'm the king of Israel. That's it. Don't carry that one. God shielded him. And anytime he saw a, a, a Bathsheba, the angels would say, lie, lie. They would blind him, shield him. Then finally he was feeling too good. And God checked the date. This man will soon die. If he dies like this, it's bad. So to the, all the angels, next time David looks, let him look. Then you say, sir, I said, let him look. Yes, sir. Then you just look, say, let him look. <laughs> the Lord is wise. That's all. They just told themselves, the Lord is wise. Let him look. So David came out. <laughs> Joab is fighting. All the boys are fighting. I can rest. Then he looked. One angel went to block. The other one said, they said, let him look. And the guy looked. Oh. Who is that? You know the rest of the story. Why did God let that happen? Because until that point, David said he was a good man. He thought he was a good man. God said, before you die, I need to expose to you that you are not. It's sad, but it's going to cost Uriah. That's the cost. And so he said, don't worry, Uriah too is supposed to die himself. The other things he has done, let's quickly just use this one to judge everything. God is very wise. If you go and check the reason why Uriah died, it had nothing to do with David. If you go and check the real reason why Uriah died, it had nothing to do with David. It was just an opportunity. They just used him to release something out of David. What am I trying to say? So David, God allowed his, the, the thing inside him to manifest. When it manifested, David was not able to realize it was there. So, he prayed. I hope you get my point. That was when he prayed this prayer. That you desire, what? Truth in the innermost being. He now confessed his sins. And said, God, cleanse me with hyssop. Wash me clean from inside. Now, listen to this. That confession was the reason he could have Solomon. Listen to me. If God did not take David through that experience... Will have died without the hair on the throne. It was only after God helped him to pull that, that side of him out and they cleansed it. And Solomon was now the reward. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added. That was when Solomon was added. And that's why Solomon basically came out normal. You know, I said basically. You know what I'm talking about because at least God was able to get the hair for the throne for David. Listen to me. If that did not happen, if David had died with that hidden thing inside him, it would have been a terrible spiritual disaster. So what does the word do? And listen, that's why I want to emphasize this. Many people they look at, they will go to the word to find looking for blessing. What has God promised me? What has God promised me? What is my portion? What's my portion? Brethren, that is good though. But it's not even up to half of it. Allow the word to set you out. Let the word display your motives. 
Ah, one of the things that Holy Spirit has helped me with recently, since a few years ago actually, when I finished doing some things, I'll tell myself, Bank, I'll just sit down there and analyze the reason why I did that. In fact, there was one I did one day, I laughed at myself. It's very bad, but it's a good example. So I entered my office, you know, I, 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 I entered the corridor in the office. I was just issuing instructions and I was saying, yes sir, yes sir, yes sir. So after I was Bank, what's all the noise about? Say, so I wanted to show the patients waiting that you are the boss. Do you hear what I said? Because the way I was dishing out the instructions, I said, what's all of this noise? Then it dawned on me that there were a row of people waiting at the door. And I stepped in to let them know, I am the boss in this place. And the only way to show is by shouting on everybody else, especially the big people they were being afraid of before, you know. Before I came, they were afraid of everybody. So I came in and said, hey, you, come. Uh, yes, sir. My mind, she, all of you have seen, I'm senior to him. <laughs> it's an unconscious thing. After I said, thank you, shame on you. We acknowledge it. That's the most, that's what the Lord wants. And that's what I did. It was, look, let me tell you, God is very merciful. The Lord is very merciful. Once He can get you to acknowledge, once He can get you to accept, He said, only acknowledge your iniquity. What the word does is to, you know, every time, He said, it descends between soul and spirit. It judges the thoughts and what? The intentions of the heart. That intention is very, like, you want to give us an example now. Many things we do in life, do you know why we do it? Sometimes we don't even know. Except the word shows them to you. Arguing with people sometimes is very, very difficult. Because what they're arguing over, you don't know. You are saying two plus two. You, so one of you will say four. Another person says, no, it is five. And you say an adult arguing that two plus two is equal to five. And you're wondering, how can two plus two be equal to five? Which base are you adding this thing in? It's not base 10 anymore. But experience has taught me that, no, they're not arguing 2 plus 2. They are arguing on the consequences of 5 or 4. If we say it is 4, it has consequences. So we argue that 2 plus 2 is 5 because 4 is going to be a disaster if we accept it. It's called the intents of the heart. So the word comes, when the word exposes, you know what it says? It's saying, just acknowledge. You can't change yourself. You can't. All you can do is do what? Acknowledge. Only acknowledge your iniquity. That's what they call confession of sin. Listen to me, people of God. This is where the problem is. You know, I said it before. He is very, very faithful. He do- Look, no one who hopefully waits for him will ever be put to shame. That's just the way he is. He is faithful. The problem is always with human beings. And this is the interesting part. He will wait. Listen. Don't ever be a person that cannot be corrected. You know, I said, I said the joke in the earlier. Let people write down for you. Read it. Even if you think they are wrong, don't go and argue. You don't need to prove a point to anybody. I have seen people corrected before. And the fight was on how can you be talking about me? I don't know what I get my point. Like you tell this man that anytime you're walking on the road, you're always looking as if you're drunk. Instead of him to go and say, ah, are you serious? He said, hey, so you people don't have work again. It's me you are now gathering to discuss. And that became the fight. The discussion had, that is the reason, the thing we told you. 
It's a he that is often reproved, but hardened his heart. He said that will be suddenly broken without remedy. That when the breaking comes, there will be no remedy. You will lay hands. Hikabaya, lotogobo, zuzu, pala, kete, regu, come out, come in, set up, you know, boom. The spirit will be looking at you like this. Say this one, is my portion. Redeeming the church. Now, let, no, let me use the word. Renewing the people of God. is the primary assignment the Holy Spirit is doing. There are many hidden... Sometimes when I see people in the environment, I have to warn Christians, once you are talking like the people in your environment, you have a problem. Once the state you are from, or the local government you are from, can be deciphered from the way you talk, your opinion on things, just know the, the blessing of God has been suspended. Listen, your talk should let people know that you are from somewhere different. You are a heavenly being. You are not of this world. Your opinions are different. Sometimes I, I have a lot of disagreement with people. They say, okay, Chris and Gigi said something about doctors the other day. People won't kill the man. My opinion, I, I, I can't even talk to people. I just realized I cannot be popular in my opinion. I mean, I'm a man from heaven for goodness sake. One prayer I pray all the time. I say, God, help me to see from above, not from beneath. People of God, what God is doing is making sure his people are thoroughly cleansed. Many people in their hearts, if you see what is locked inside. And no matter how much God wants to bless, he can't. Please bear this in mind. All the physical explanations you are giving for the reason why your blessing is not flowing is a lie. Let's talk about prosperity. This is his example. It says, because I have not gone to America is a lie. The richest black man lives in Nigeria. The next one to him lives in Nigeria. The richest black woman lives in Nigeria. So forget that thing. The country where you are living is not the reason why you are down. That's a quotation from Bishop Oedipo's mouth. He that is from above is above all. Remember, Peter can walk on water. If the word of the, the spirit is with him, he can walk on water. So if Peter is sinking, it's not because of the storm. There's a spiritual thing about Peter that's making him sink. So I want you right now, every explanation you have given to yourself. My wife, my, I said my, wife, my friend told me the other day about a, a, a woman that a patient he had to examine. That if you see this woman outside, when you see her inside like this, Madam, lie down, let's examine your stomach. The way she tied herself here, tie here, tie here, tie, to reshape her body. My wife, like, my, my, sorry, not my wife, my friend said, Madam, that's why you are sick now. But she will not change it. Do you know why? That's how to get a husband. So my wife said, Okay, when you marry the husband, finish it. you don't go and tie all these things. <laughs> that's what my wife told my wife. <laughs> I said, No, she's not thinking that far. Listen, let's stop. Some people have gone to school to go and look for, you know, get another degree to, so that they can make more money. They come out, they are poorer than before they went. You don't know that? It's true. Before you went, they will give you a job with BSc. You came back now with uh, MSc from one big American university. All of them are afraid of you. I hope you know companies don't 
they don't employ those who are overqualified. Yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem because number one, they can't pay you what you think you're worth. So you are going to be unhappy. Yes, you'll be unhappy with them. And then the first opportunity, you will go away. And you don't want to spend their money training somebody who they know will go away. So you will see, I have a friend, he's a vice chancellor now. He couldn't get an oil company job just because he had the first class. Those days. So some people have gone to university to go and get an extra degree. God said, your employability has just reduced. And since you don't know how to do business before, you're your dead meat now. <laughs> I, I know what I'm telling you. Uh, I've seen people, you, they have job here, they left, use money from here, go abroad, get degree, come back, no job again. It, no, it happens all the time. Like I tell you all the time, don't try and solve a spiritual problem. With a physical manipulation. No matter how uneducated you are, a man wanted a man became a millionaire in the UK. True story. Why did he become a millionaire? He didn't. He couldn't read. He couldn't write. One day, he was looking for a job. He went to a place. They said, "Okay, they employed him as a janitor." The times he should sign his name somewhere. He said, "Sorry, I can't write." How, you can't even write. He said, "No, I didn't go to school at all." I said, "Sorry, we can't even make you janitor." So he went and started a business. After many years, he became a multi-millionaire. So they now interviewed him. Say, what if you were educated? What would you have become? If as a, as a, as a man that didn't go to school, became a millionaire. If only you had gone to school, I wonder what you would have become. They must say, hey, I would have been a janitor. <laughs> what am I going to say? There's no physical reason why you are down. It's always a spiritual reason. Allow the world to dig it up and clean it out. I still have much more to say, but let's just stop it here because of our time. Let us go home. So we'll, we'll just leave this series here. No, we'll keep teaching. There are so many other things to say, but let's leave it here. But let's just take a minute and pray. Say, Lord, help me. That's all. Dig it out, Lord. Dig it out. Dig it out. Every, every hindrance, dig it out. Every hindrance, Lord, dig it out. Every hindrance, dig it out. Every hindrance, Lord, dig it out. Pray, say, Lord, every hindrance, dig, dig it out. Everyone. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for sending your word to us. Now, just give God thanks for the word. He loves us so much, therefore, he has sent his word to us this evening. Earlier, we prayed. Let's thank God and say, Lord, we thank you for your word that you have sent to us again, which is a proof of your love and your mercy towards us. We thank you. Because you do not want us to, to perish. You want us to truly become like your son, Jesus. Therefore, you are saying this word. And we give you all the thanks. Thank him. We we'll bless your name forever. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. It's well with you in the name of Jesus. Goodness and mercy will follow you from here in Jesus' name. In your house, goodness will be waiting for you there. No sickness will follow you back home. Every ailment is shed from your body right now. Because Jesus died for that purpose. I rebuke, no matter, look, even if it's cancer, I command it, die in Jesus' name. But you, child of God, live in the name of Jesus. You will live, you will not die. I said, you will live and you will not die. You will tell of the goodness of God. Your mouth will testify of his faithfulness. In the name of Jesus Christ. Financial breakthrough will open for somebody this coming week in Jesus' name. 
You have been looking for a word. God said, this week, it's coming to you in the name of Jesus. I say it again. Goodness and mercy will go with you. This week will be a manifestation of goodness around you. In the name of Jesus, we are praying. Let's share the grace in fellowship. One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Quickly bless the people around you. Quickly, this is your season.